a look at college football news, analysis, and insight from around the Sunshine State. This is Florida Football Insiders, a part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Jason Powers. Welcome into our week 10 episode of the Florida Football Insiders Podcast. We are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Definitely go to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network and subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, Florida Football Insiders presented by Beefo Brady's here in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue over in the Carrollwood and Forest Hills area for all of your sports viewing needs, all your uh, catering needs as we get into the holiday season. Definitely check out Beefo Brady's and tell TJ Maloof that the Florida Football Insiders podcast sent you. I was over there. We were over there last week. We did a remote uh, over there for Thursday night football for the NFL. And we will be over there a couple more times to do a couple live remotes in the month of November and December as well. So, Beefo Brady's, appreciate the partnership with them. Home Slice Pizza Company, Hank's Barbecue, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our uh, realtor star Alvarado, as well as Titan Home Lending. We really appreciate all your your support for the Florida Football Insiders podcast. Got a good episode for you this week. We're going to talk to Coach Jim Levitt again this week. We're going to talk uh, Florida, all, this, all the teams in the state of Florida. Went 5-2 and two last week. The only losing efforts were out of uh, USF. They went down at Houston. And the Florida Gators lost to Georgia in Jacksonville at the cocktail party. A very entertaining game for about three quarters. And then Georgia pulled away in the fourth quarter. But again, a 5-2 and two week for the state of Florida. Got some good matchups this coming up week as well. We got the big Florida State-Miami uh, uh, game in Miami on Saturday night. And we're going to talk to again, Coach Levin about all the things going on in the state of Florida with all those teams. Big win by Gus Malzahn at UCF. Uh, we're going to talk uh, rivalry games. We had a little altercation, Michigan-Michigan State with Coach Harbaugh, who J Coach Levitt is good friends with. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We also have some big matchups around the country, Alabama-LSU, Notre Dame-Clemson, and then the heavyweight title fight in Athens, Georgia, between Tennessee and Georgia this week. So we'll get Coach's thoughts on those matchups as well. And some, uh, again, we're just going to talk lots of different strategy things. We're going to talk some recruiting. Uh, we're going to talk two-point plays, overtimes, and such with Coach Levitt. So I think you'll enjoy our chat with Coach Levitt. And after Coach, we're going to talk to Eric Henry. Eric Henry covers FIU, the Panthers, down in Miami. He's a beat reporter for them for Underdog Dynasty. He's also a podcast host. for He does a, a Conference USA podcast. He's also a Bolitnikoff Award winner, which goes to the nation's best wide receivers. So we're going to get his thoughts on some Bolitnikoff receivers as we get into week 10 of the college football season into the month of November. Hopefully you had a good Halloween, stayed safe, didn't have any bad candy, have any bad experiences. Hopefully, uh, again, everybody was had, had a good time with the Halloween holiday. I know it's a big uh, celebration all over the country. Lots of, lots of kids and adults like to dress up and all kind of good stuff. So uh, enjoy our chat with Coach Levitt. I think you will. We're going to talk even about his girls flag football championship uh, scenario over the weekend as well. So 
Enjoy the podcast. And again, reach out to us on Twitter at JPO Sports, JPO Sports. And you can find the video interviews as well on my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel on YouTube. Again, Florida Football Insiders, we appreciate the support. Forward it to your friends who might be a college football fan, especially the state of Florida college football fan. And again, College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. If you're looking for stuff about other conferences in other parts of the country, we, we cover the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, Louisiana. We do some SEC, ACC stuff. And again, I cover all things state of Florida college football. So enjoy the podcast. College football and NFL football fans, we know that the season is cranked back up. Are you looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices? Take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Ticket Smarter is partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA and NFL football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of the football season live and in person. Purchase your, ter- your tickets directly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. We've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more, and that code isn't just a one-time use. Use it this week. Use it next week. Use it Thanksgiving week. Use our code as many times as you want this football season for the best selection of college football and NFL seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections, pricing now with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. And now a word from BetUS. Hey guys and girls, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our podcasts. You'll receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an extra $125. Put $200 in, you get an extra $250. So forth and so on. BetUS has all the NFL, MLB postseason, NBA, tennis, golf, Premier League, and college football wagers to bet on. But we all know... You are all college football and NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. All right, welcome back to the Florida Football Insiders. We have reached double digits of the college football season. We are going into week 10 of the college football season. Had a pretty exciting uh, weekend over in the state of Florida. I think the Florida teams went 5-2. and two. Coach, um, finally got back on the winning track with some of these teams in the state of Florida. The only losers were the Gators against Georgia, and then we had uh, USF going down to Houston. Welcome in, Coach. 
Well, it's good to be back here. Beautiful day again in Tampa. Can't yep. beat it. Uh, it's it's absolutely beautiful. Took my daughter to the bus stop this morning and got back here and ready to go. How is uh how's Halloween? How's ha- we're we're recording this on Halloween. How's Halloween in the Levitt in the Levitt household with the girls? Well, little Isabella is going as a pink cowgirl okay. tonight. And had to buy all that outfit. And uh, then uh, Sophia, who played the championship game yesterday, uh, is going as Luigi. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. So, yeah, I, saw, I saw on social media you guys were in the championship game with a flag football. Tell the audience how, how it turned out. Well, it was really exciting because in the semifinals, it came down to a last play right on the goal line. And Sophia did a good job rushing a quarterback, and it was incomplete pass. But the championship game – uh, they got beat. Uh, they got beat, and uh, but you know, at least they got the championship game, and they were certainly sad after after not winning. And I love that attitude. You know, you go after all of it. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't in a good mood. So, <laughs> um, so I I can appreciate that. I'm not usually in a good mood if I didn't win a championship game either. Uh, so, uh, but we got through it, and then she wanted to go out and throw the football right after the game again to to kind of hone in on the skills. So I was. I thought that was impressive. Now, are your girls are your girls college football NFL fans? Do they like to watch it? Well, I take them to the Bucks games. You know, when it's not a night game, you know, right. in the afternoon, going to go to see the Rams uh, next Sunday. Uh, certainly, that's a four what four thirty yep. kickoff. But we'll go to that game together. But you know, they like college football, and you know, they they certainly watched it when I was coaching. Yep. You know, all the various stops at Colorado certainly. Uh, 49ers in Colorado and, and Oregon and, you know, so forth. You know, Florida State, yep. FAU, SMU. I had I had a number of stops there for a while, and and uh, they were following it pretty close. Very good. Very good. Very, very good. All right, let's get to some of the action in the state of Florida. First off, I want to lead off with you called it last week. You thought UCF could beat Cincinnati, and they did. Close game, really good game there at the end in, in Orlando. Just your general thoughts. Nice win for for Gus Malzahn to get to six and two. Uh, it's a real big win for for Central Florida. They and uh, and you know I thought that was such an even game, uh, you know before, but but Cincinnati's you know had been so close they almost lost a, a few games, and going on the road on the grass at Central Florida and Central Florida I just you know just played better you know and uh, and won the game so it's big win for for Central Florida real big win because they had a they had to win that game. And you know, look, and I mean, have a chance at the conference. Absolutely. Uh, it's just winding down right now. It's them and Tulane at the top of the AAC, and they see Tulane in a couple weeks. So, big game. They got to get through Memphis. But, again, they got Tulane in a couple of weeks. Memphis won't be an easy game to, to win on the road. And, again, Willie Fritz and Tulane, that will be a really good game, most likely probably for the for the number one spot there in that conference. Look like to me, I saw the stats. I didn't see much of the game. The backup quarterback played for for Central Florida. Was it an injury? I don't know if the, the the Plumley kid got hurt, but the backup quarterback came in was fifteen to twenty one for one hundred and eighty yards. So it sounded looked like he played pretty well. Uh, impressive. Now I'm telling you, and and uh, you know, for people, you know, you've always, you know, like I always felt like you you. It's hard if you've got a really good starter. It's hard to get a number three quarterback. Sometimes you get a number two guy. Right. Uh, and uh, you saw it around the country that. Uh, you know, look at SMU. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of jumping off on a tangent, but they have Mordecai and then Preston Stone breaks his collarbone. Yep. They had to go 
three quarterback. They had a lot of injuries. SMU's got a lot of injuries, and they still won big against Tulsa. Yep. Uh, Central Florida, same thing. Brought in their backup quarterback, did a great job. You know, and uh, you know, you got to you got to prepare those guys. That's just coaching and getting guys ready. And uh, you know, Central Florida again, their backup did a great job. And even at USF, I know the backup, we knew the backup was going to play a week or so ago, but he looked like he played pretty functionally well. They scored 27 points. They didn't beat Houston, but he looked like he was at least functional in the offense and could move the ball a little bit. No, I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, I thought he threw the ball well. He ran. They, they had some quarterback run plays in there. He doesn't yeah. run he's not that fast and all that, but he's a big, strong guy. And, and, uh, and I thought at the beginning of the game, South Florida did a nice job offensively with keeping uh houston off balance i mean they did a very good job and then you know then houston kind of got a hold of things and you know of course you know south florida is struggling on defense and right. you know again like i said i don't ever want to talk about a, a coach because uh you know i don't know the scenario and coaches don't get jobs unless they have a very good resume and they've done really good uh, i'm sure it's a personnel situation and where they've just got so many guys banged up uh, that's hard to slow people down. And then, you know, you've got to, you know, you got to do a great job trying to be creative as best you can. It's hard to hide, hide players, right. you know, right. Really do that. So, uh, but, uh, SMU did a, did a heck of a job with all the injuries, central Florida, uh, you know, and, um, you know, nobody cares. They want to hear about the injuries. They don't want to hear about that. You know, it's, it's just a reality. You're the winner, you lose. And, and this time of year, you have to hope that you can prepare enough depth that, you know, you prepare for those things to happen. Yeah, USF falls to one and seven. They go to Temple this week. Again, this is a game they probably should win. I mean, this is one of those games on the schedule you look at that if you're Jeff Scott, an important game for Jeff Scott, you, you need to win this game against a team that's either as as struggling as much as you are or worse in Temple. This is a, this is a key game, I think, for Jeff Scott. Well, you know, you, you you know, it's always hard to win a game, and, and players got to know that. Coaches certainly know that it's hard to win a game. You've got yeah. to play extremely hard and well throughout the entire game. It's not going to be easy going up to Temple. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, right? Uh, up there in what Philadelphia in that area, and it could be it could be cold, cold and nasty. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you you, you hopefully the the guys will play at a high level. They're certainly capable of beating them, but. You know, I mean, you, you can't go and just think you're going to win the game. You know, you right. better play extremely well to do it. Right. right. You know, I mean, I mean, on the outside, we could say what we want. Oh, it appears this or appears that. But, you know, that's not always reality. You know, what's happened with, with South Florida is, you know, you've gone through three years. If, you know, uh, Jeff's, you know, had had a hard time uh, getting everything going in the right direction. And, and then this year on top of everything else, he's, had a tough non-conference schedule and then he's had some, a number of injuries and right. that's always, that's always tough, you know, but you know, we're in a world of bottom line and uh, you know, you, you, you win or you lose and, you know, and, and, and he's aware of that, you know, I'm sure those coaches are working as hard as they possibly sure. can sure. Uh, to, to try to put their team in a position to win games and, you know, but Temple's not going to be easy game. I, I'm just like I'm telling you uh, central Florida, I, I might take Memphis on this one. You know, I'm telling you, you, you go to Memphis. Tricky Memphis game. Memphis football team. Uh, Houston barely beat Memphis on like the last play of the game or whatever. It was like a one point yes. game. Yes. And and now you got Central Florida on grass going to turf. Uh, and I think it's turf up there. I, I believe think, so. Yeah, I think it is up at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, it's been a while, but um, uh, that's not an easy place to play. 
You know, it really isn't. And Memphis has got a good, a very capable football team, you know. So, you know, these are tough games, you know, they really are. And, you know, hopefully your leadership, uh, you know, the, the quarterback will continue to get better for South Florida. And, you know, again, they've got to find a way to play defense. They know that, you know, and it's no secret. You know, to me, the foundation was always was always defense and kicking game. Those two things, you've got to be year in, year out. You've got to be very strong in those areas. And then you hope to have a, a really uh, heck of a quarterback. You know, those those ingredients were always important to me. Nice win by Willie Taggart at FAU against UAB, a pretty good UAB team. You know, FAU with a nice 24-17 win. Again, UAB is going through some transition this year without Bill Clark in charge. They got an interim coach, but a nice win for Willie Taggart. Uh, 24-17, you're right. And after they lost in an overtime game to UTEP on the road, uh, and I talked to uh, Kevin Patrick, the D-line coach that's at uh, FAU this week. And, uh, in fact, I talked to him the day before the game. Uh, it, was a, it was a big game for them. A yep. home game, yep. UAB, don't want to go down to three and six. Right. You know, so they're four and five, something like that. And and uh, they got a chance, you know. They've got uh, uh, they've got the, the rest of the teams that they're playing, they can, they can beat all of them. And, uh, you know, for them having a losing season a year ago, to try to come back and have another winning season. We had a winning season when I was there the one year and yep. played bowl game the year of COVID. Then they had a losing season. Then this year they need they don't want to have two losing seasons together. So I think they'll pull it out. I think they'll have a winning season. I think they'll yep. uh, look it's like they've got things going in the right direction. They've got good coaches. So you know, hopefully for their sake, they'll uh, they'll they'll continue to win. We'll hit on Florida State quickly. They, a nice win against Georgia Tech. A team there again. I, what I like is you're beating the teams you're supposed to beat convincingly. Nice job by Norvell up in Tallahassee beating Georgia Tech. Uh, Jordan Travis played really well at quarterback. Again, they're getting there. They're not quite there yet, personnel-wise and all that, but they're getting there. They're showing some progress. Well, they lost a number of games in a row. <clears throat> what right. they lose three, three, three in a row. Yep. Don't want to lose that fourth game to Georgia Tech, and uh, you know that was a game they needed to win. They yep. did win it. Did win it soundly, and they should. Uh, and um, you know, so you know, but these next games they have are, are not going to be easy. It's going to be tough, you know, and. Uh, I, I don't know who they have this week. Miami. The rivalry, uh, Miami. In Yep. Is that game at Miami? I think it is. I think it's in Miami. But I'll double, yeah, I'll double check while we're talking here. Go ahead. State needs, definitely needs to win this game. And Miami's not that good this year. I mean, they're, they're, uh, I mean, they've got talent. I think Miami's got talent, but somewhere along the line, something's, uh, something's wrong. Yep. You know, and, um, Florida State needs to, needs to win this game. This is a big one now. I'm telling you, this is this is one that the people in the in the inside Florida State they're yep. not going to want to lose to Miami. So the game is in Miami. It's in Miami. You know, Miami won a close game against Virginia. They, I thought they were going to. I thought Virginia was going to win that game. <clears throat> really, it was three three forever, and uh, somehow Jeez. they found it in overtime. I guess overtime, I think, to win. And um, Virginia's not that good this year, and not as strong as they they were. And and Miami's not so you know you got some teams that are not as strong so in these big in these big in-state rivalry games you you guys with UCF Florida State Miami Florida Florida State how do you handle the week of the, when it comes to recruiting are you able to bring more I mean talk to us about a little bit about are you able to bring more these home games that you bring recruits how, how do you sell these kids in these rivalry games when you have a big rivalry game like this well it's not hard it's very easy 
I mean, you know, all these kids grow up in Florida and they, they know about Miami, they know about Florida State. And yeah, you're going to probably have all your top recruits there on one side or the other. They're all, you're all recruiting the same guys. And uh, so it's a big deal. And the, the, the players understand that. You, you know, you, what you want to do is just make sure, like always, that you keep the practices away from distractions, you know, and, uh, and keep their focus. And that's usually the thing I get concerned about more than anything else. You know, when you get the outside influences and you get social media and you get yeah. everything else, the guys will be on both teams. They'll be up ready to play, but make sure they're focused on, on uh, the, the plan and, and the execution. And uh, that's delivered during the week in practice and in meetings, you know, so you know that they're going to get hit when they get away from practice and meetings. So you got to make sure that the focus is great during those times. Extra is there extra attention on the recruiting aspect of this with the high school kids in a week like this? Let's say you're Miami and you're the home team and you're going to know you're going to bring in probably some of your bigger recruits to this game. How much time is 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 exhausted by whether it's the staff or your your support staff? You know, making sure this particular weekend's a really good recruiting weekend. You you got all your 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 ducks in a row from a recruiting perspective when you're bringing all these these high end high end level kids to campus for this kind of game. Well, you know, most of that's done by the recruiting coordinator and his staff. You know, a lot of times they have a separate department anymore. I mean, I I remember years ago I went up to visit Brent Venables. Um, I think I was a defense coordinator, might have been at Oregon. And and uh, you know, Brent and I obviously go way back. And uh, uh, what I was most impressed with when I went to Clemson, this was years ago, was they had a whole other department that okay. did nothing. You know, that I mean, you had, you had the head guides over, overseeing the, all the recruiting and his assistant and you had somebody ahead of all social media. And then you had all these people that come in, these students come in to check social media all day long. I mean, it's a, it's a whole other department, almost like the NFL when you have your, you know, your Scouting GM and your scouters. Yep. It, yeah. And so they, they do, they do most of the legwork, you know, now your coaches are going to get a hold of those top players and like they always do though. You know, whether it's this week or any week, you got to stay on top of them all the time because you're building relate the relationship. So, you know, usually that's not that's not going to uh, affect the coaches. The coaches are trying to get ready to win a football game, gotcha. and what's more than anything else in recruiting is win. You know, so yep. focus on the plan and winning the game, and that's going to help you get recruits more than anything else. Right, right. Go back to the Miami game for a second. Overtime rules have changed in college football a little bit. They're trying to minimize how many overtimes they're playing and number of plays and all that stuff. I think the rule is now once you get to the third overtime, we're not going first and from the 25 anymore, first and 10 from the 25. It's one play. It's a two-point play. Your thoughts on that and, and as a defensive guy, having to defend a two-point play versus having to defend 25 yards. You know, it's interesting. When I was head coach of South Florida, we went overtime, double overtime six times. Wow. And we we never lost. Now, I, that's why maybe I'll never want to be in that situation <laughs> that we would. Uh, but I don't, I, I never really liked, I just accepted it. I never, never really, you know, I, I kind of being in the NFL, I kind of like the way the NFL set up more because you just play the game. Right. You know, you don't just get stuck in the red zone and, you know, that, you know, obviously if you're, if you're, you know, and, and there's a lot of factors there. I don't know. They, they put that rule in because of the overtime kept, kept going and going and going. It was unfair to the players. And I understand that. Right. Uh, just what it is. I don't really think about whether I like it or not. I just, you know, you just accept it and you make, and you practice it. You know, uh, I used to really, and, and, and we did a good job. I even remember at SMU, 
uh, I thought Sonny Dykes did a very good job of that, of practicing those situations. You know, uh, you, you know, like anything, you got to practice for that. You got to prepare for that. You got to have your two point plays. You got to have your, uh, the defenses that you're going to call in those nope. situations. But that needs to be worked on well beforehand. Were you a guy that liked to pressure? Like to, you know, were you a guy that liked to pressure, pressure, pressure on these two point plays? Because obviously you have, you still have the factor of you can run the ball in these plays as well. And with so much RPO and all that stuff, were you a guy that liked to really pressure? the quarterback and the offense and these, and these two point plays? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't like to sit and wait. I want right. to get some way or the other quickly, you know, and uh, uh, I mean, you have your defenses where you're going to drop eight um, and uh, uh, you know, and also just rush four. I, I had all kinds of different calls, you know, that I, that I used in all scenarios, but for the most part, if it's on the line, I probably was going to bring people for the most part. I got you. All right, let's go to let's go to Jacksonville, the cocktail party, the game. You know, the Georgia, Florida. Obviously, Georgia wins the game, and it doesn't look as the 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 difference at the end. The margin looks bigger than it was. Obviously, it was it was a kind of a, some separation early in the game. I think twenty eight three. Give Florida credit; they get twenty eight to twenty mid third quarter, and then Georgia kind of pulls away late. What were you just you're watching that game? First play of the game, Richardson gets hit in the hip. And it pretty much ends his ability to, I don't say ability to run, but it looked like to me their game plan changed a little bit when he got hit that first play of the game where he wasn't going to be much of a running factor in that game. Well, it pretty much showed, uh, you know, what I said last week going into the game, I thought the Lions, the Lions scrimmage was going to be the key. Yep. And I thought that Georgia just had a better line of scrimmage on both sides, you know, that, and, and I think that showed up really. I mean, you, you can talk about a lot of other things, but, you know, the ability to run the ball and the, and the ability to, to do some things that, uh, you know, Georgia is just too strong. You know, they just got, they're just better, you know, than Florida is right now. And, you know, Florida's four and four, I think right now, is that right? I think yeah, something like that. Four and four. Yep. You know, so, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that Florida is not a, you know, they're, they're, they're a good team. You know, they, they're, they've got talent, but they're not a great team, you know, and it will be interesting to see how they do the rest of the way, you know, out, but Georgia's just better. I just thought they're a better football team all the way around. You know, talked about a lot of different things but you know the ability to run the ball and the ability to stop the run is you know that i thought was was going to be the key and i think it was yeah no doubt no doubt uh florida four, four and four goes to texas a&m kind of another dumpster i won't say i shouldn't use the word dumpster fire but it's it's ugly in, in texas a&m with as poorly as they're playing a lot of speculation not that jimbo's going to get fired but about changes coaching changes offensive philosophy all that kind of stuff when, when you're in the middle of something like that, when it's not going well, how do you keep the coaches focused on the, the, the plan ahead, the, the next game, and the players on the next game when there's stuff swirling around the program? Well, you're honest with your players, obviously. You know, I haven't been in that situation. That, you know, and to be honest with you, I've never, um, you know, even at South Florida, we, you know, we, right. we won a lot. So it, I was never really in that type of scenario. Um, the um, again, they but, were preseason number six in the country, and they're like four and five now, or four and four. Or AM's got lost five games, lots of, I mean, again, top, top, huge recruiting class. They've had some off the field issues, they've suspended some, they've suspended a bunch of their freshman recruits, things like that. It's just been a really, really rough year in, in College Station. Well, you know, you, 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 like I always do, I'm always pretty honest with the players, I'm telling them up front the way it is, yeah. Uh, 
I don't usually sugarcoat things or hide things. And, you know, and I always talk about also with this time of year, you know, you play for your seniors. These guys have, uh, have given an awful lot to the program and they deserve to go out in a big way. Yeah. And that's always a motivator, you know, right there uh, away from everything else, because hopefully, hopefully the guys care about those players, you know, now you're going to probably, you're playing a lot of younger players, but also that's an opportunity for them to play. Uh, you know, it's a great environment. I mean, I don't know how in the world you can't be up for any of these games that, uh, that they're playing. Um, and uh, if you guys, if you got too many guys that are not up for these games and you're playing the wrong guys, you know, right. you better, better figure it out and play the guys that it means that much to them that they get themselves ready to play and, you know, I always told players, nobody's going to get you ready to play. It's not going to be some big motivational speech that I'm going to make or yep. uh, this or that. I said, it's your responsibility to get yourself ready, however you do it. Uh, but there's so few opportunities. Um, you know, they have to figure that out, you know, and however that is. But uh, with all the different things and distractions, it's the same as anything else. You try to keep away from the distractions, stay focused on the practice and those things. Because you know they're going to – those distractions are going to be there in our world. And they're going to have to – you know, your players, they're going to they're going to hear it. They're going to know it. They're going to see it. And if you're playing a lot of young players, sometimes there's immaturity there. You know, gonna, that, that was my next question. How do you – how do you help young kids that have been high school stars their whole life transition to college and maybe things aren't going as well as they think they should be going? You know, they're maybe they're playing, but they're not playing as well as they're, they're going to play a year down the road. How do you work on that transition to college life when, again, you don't know what they're, they're – ba everybody's backgrounds, different background. Kids come from different backgrounds. How do you help that transition to college, that, per, that more professionalism that you have to have as a college player versus when you were in high school? Well, you know, for me, I was always did one-on-one -on -one with the top leaders. And even if they're young, a freshman or whoever, you know, there's certain players that you definitely want to keep in the fold, you know, that you, you want to keep going. And uh, and I did a lot of one-on-ones. Uh, you, know, you know, you can talk to the team, you can do all that, but you want to get their attention. You go one-on-one, -on -one, you find them. And you go to the – you pick them up at the dorm if you have to or their apartment or whatever. Just You just get in a situation. Don't always do it in your office. Uh, although I did a lot in the office too, because it's just so hard, but um, make sure you get one-on-one -on -one with the, especially this, when these things are going on and uh, try to get through them the best you can. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, but uh, that's at least what I did, you know, trying to grab their attention, but you know, there's a lot of things that happen. It's, it's part of life, you know, and it's, it's part of the things you have to deal with, you know, I mean, the microcosm of football is life. You know, Absolutely. you're going to, you're going to have you're going to have all kinds of things that are going to happen and people are going to go through a, uh, uh, some some tough situations you know you got and and nobody's going to feel sorry for you and a lot of times a lot of times not not everybody's going to come to your aid you right. got to find a way to quit right and, uh, and this is the you know, first it's probably the first time in their life a lot of these kids that there's been adversity when they've not been the best player they've not been the the, the star player at their in their in their community in their high school yeah, I mean, I even I, my my daughter went through it. She lost championship games. She went in a good mood. <laughs> I told her, I said, we start. You know, she wanted to go out and throw the football, so we did. And I told her, I said, you know, your mom is going to tell you, uh, you know, what you want to hear. I said, I'm telling you what you need to hear. Right. And I was pretty direct with her about, you know, it's it's all about the team, the team, the team. It's not about individuals. It's, right. Uh, 
going to go through some tough moments and you got to rise up and, you know, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. And you, you just got to get better, you know, and the only way to get better is to practice and practice hard work, you know, and, uh, you know, all these players, same thing. They just got to, you got to get better. You got to keep working at it. You got to keep staying with it. You know, don't ever give up. Right. Never do that. I've told my daughter that many times, never, 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 ever give up ever, you know? And, um, you know, so, uh, it's just part of life. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes you can get through the players. Sometimes you can't. We had an ugly situation, an area, a guy, you know, well, coach Harbaugh, Michigan, Michigan state in the post game there, they had a little rumbling there at, uh, uh, Michigan stadium up, up in Ann Arbor, you know, uh, an after the, but after the game, kind of an altercation, four players from Michigan state have been suspended as a result of the altercation. Again, part of a part of a rivalry game, of course. It's it's the the tensions high, the emotions are high. What do you say stuff before games? Hey, stay away from these confrontations because it was a, you know ugly situation that that kind of ensued there in Michigan. You do, you know, and I did. You know, I said, man, it's about what we do in that field. You know, I talked a lot about it before going into games like that because of personal fouls. You know, I didn't want it to hurt the team, right? And, and, and I talked to the players during the game about it. And especially if, if, if it got to this, this or that, uh, yes, I did talk a lot about that. And, uh, and I brought it up on big rivalry games. Uh, it's tough. It's a challenge because, you know, you're, I mean, this is your quote hated rival. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, those emotions are very high and, and it's a very aggressive sport and you got, you know, men or guys that are very aggressive by nature yeah. on the field. So those things, but you got to, you got to have the discipline. You got to understand that it's just going to hurt your own team. And if you love your teammates, then you'll walk away from those things. And I practice those things too. Like I'd get into a room and I'd maybe uh, simulate right. somebody, uh, you know, swinging on you. And I always told our players, you don't ever back down from anybody, but you never swing back. You never hit. You never do any of those. I said, just grab hold of them by, by the jersey and just look them in the eye and say, let's go. Let's play. But don't swing. Just right. grab hold. Right. And uh, we, would pra- we would practice those things. That's so smart. So, uh, and, uh, but what's interesting is I took that. I took that from Harbaugh at the Niners. And he, <laughs> and lo and behold, when it happened with Michigan State, Michigan, Harbaugh's the game. So he might need to practice. Maybe they need to practice that more. I don't know. I, but it was Michigan State. I don't know all the details, so I don't know what all happened, but I heard about it. Give, give, give the audience a sense of how feisty Coach Harbaugh is. He was a former player, obviously, at Michigan, NFL player. He's always been known for being that kind of feisty guy as a quarterback and then now as a head coach. Talk a little bit about Coach Harbaugh, about just how he gets into the game. I mean, he is he is into it. I loved him, and I loved working for him. I really did. I mean, he and I were, became close when I was head coach of South Florida, and he was head coach of Stanford, and um, – we uh, we went to uh, different events and we always kind of sat out away from everybody else and just talked football. So when I got let go at South Florida, uh, he wanted me to come to Stanford as a DC, and I couldn't because different things are going on. But when he went to the Forty ers he hired me right away, and I loved him. I, you know, during OTAs, uh, a lot of the veterans 
at the end of OTAs would leave. They'd go, we wouldn't have them. We were able to keep the uh, free agents and rookies, you know, for another three or four practices. Right. And Jim used to suit up, put the helmet on, the pads, everything. <laughs> and I'll never forget this one time. I And I went ahead and played linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it was pretty funny because I was, he was calling out the signals. I was standing right at the line, looking at him right in the eye, you know, like I was going to pressure him or whatever. That's funny. And, uh, we were, we were, we were grown men that, that, you know, had no business doing that, but we did. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, Dick, it was Dixie Holland circa 1975. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, it really was funny. I, and then when I was looking at Jim at his eyes, you know, he's quarterback. It was like it was real. It was oh, yeah. like we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play. So I started thinking, well, then heck, I better get going here. You know, I hope my back's not too sore. <laughs> That's why y'all went to a Super Bowl, man. That he intensity. He is an intense guy for sure, and that's right. what made him a great coach for sure. All right, a couple things on the national 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 landscape, and I'll get you out of here. We got some huge games this weekend. Three big matchups. You got Alabama LSU in Baton Rouge. You got Notre Dame and Clemson up in uh, South Bend. And then you got the showdown in Athens, Tennessee and Georgia. Just give me your thoughts. You know, Tennessee, Georgia, you know, top probably one, two, one, three in the country, the biggest game in the country of the year so far. But those other two games have major playoff implications as well. That Tennessee Georgia game is going to be something else now. I, I've been so impressed with Tennessee. Yep. What they've been able to do, and their and and how they came back, and how they played uh, last week. I mean, it, they're. I mean, what they did at Kentucky. They smashed Kentucky. Oh. I mean, you—that's your guy. You know, Coach Stoops. Yeah. They the South. I, I didn't walk, they I destroyed. Just, you destroyed them. Yeah, they're a good football teams. So, I I mean, that's going to be a heck of a game. Now they all are now and going in and, and I'm telling you, Alabama going to LSU. I agree. That that's going to be tough. That's going to be, I mean, because LSU's. They're going to be ready. Yeah, I can even, man, I can even, those people down there, <laughs> oh, they're already tailgating today. That's <laughs> going to be unbelievable. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be a heck of a game as well. Notre Dame, Clemson. Um, that, I mean, they're all, those are good games, boy. I, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be, be fun to be a part of any of those games. I mean, that's what you, and that's what it's all about. I mean, I used to love those games. We, we went to Auburn, or we went to Florida State when Coach Bowden was there, or when we, um, we played Kansas when they were really, really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a, a top team, and those West Virginia games. Uh, I used to get just stoked. Are you kidding? I mean, it, it, you live for that, and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, those those games like these games this weekend, man. They're, I mean, when I was at, uh, you know, uh, Colorado, we played Washington championship game. Yeah. You know, I mean, those are those are great games. And being a part of all that, I've been fortunate to be a part of a number of games like that, and certainly Super Bowl. But uh, you know, I mean, being a part of all that, that's. I mean, I I live for that. When, uh, you're, just, when you're when you're prepping for these games, coach, as a coaching staff. Do you the 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 thought is oh we got to come up with new stuff new wrinkles new this new that or is it more let's just be really really good at what we're really really good at schematically well 
you want to be good at what you're good at. Certainly, you know that's that's your your thesis of your team and your your kicking game and everything else like that. But you want to you want to get your fake punch ready. You want to get your uh, your uh, fake out of the feudal team or right. Uh, definitely want to have a, a pressure on defense that you haven't shown. Okay, you know a wrinkle, but you don't want you want to change your defense, but you want to have something they haven't seen. And offensively, certainly you've been working trick plays the whole year. Uh, this might be a time that you 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 have that ready. But yeah, you don't. I don't think you go in with everything you've got. I think you um you're going to add a few things here or there. But those things should have been worked on through the year. You don't just you know all of a sudden come up with something. You might. You how might do you come? Have- how do you just come up with something in week ten that you haven't thought about in week six or week four or week two? As a coach, well, you want to practice them. You know, you right. don't want to just go out and do it. Now, there's always – it always happens. I mean, I've done things shoot, a day before. <laughs> I, I've done some crazy things, and we did it in San Francisco. I mean, the year we went to the Super Bowl, it's unbelievable some of the things we did. One time, a goal line defense that we ran, we put it in the night before. Right. And it worked, you know. <laughs> Uh, and, um, so, you know, I mean, but you, you're going to want some things that are different. You don't want to, you know, cause those guys have studied film so much. They did those players. They know what you're doing. Now you're going to, your, your team is your team and your plays, your plays, but you're going to have, you want something different going, you know, ready to, ready to use. Talk about the electricity of being in those kind of stadiums when it's, when all, I would say all the marbles are on the line, but a lot of marbles are on the line and you're the coach and you, you, you know, to, to be that you got to make decisions in game decisions that matter, you know, just the, the, I would say the nervousness, but I'm sure coaches get nervous too. Right. For sure. I mean, you get excited. I mean, I used to love that. I mean, the worst time for me was always in the locker room before we came out. Uh, I, you know, I usually, I used to just get alone for 10 minutes or so. And before I went to all the players and all those things. And, and that, I, I that was excruciating. I, I did not like that <laughs> when the game started, man, I was, it was good. I mean, I was, uh, I never was nervous. I was never, I was excited, but I mean, when the game starts, it was, it was, was, everything's good. You know, I, I never had an issue there. It's always before, you know, you went out and uh, those things, but I, I loved it. Are you kidding me? The environments and, you know, we're playing West Virginia and Raymond James and it's, it's 64,000 and eight or 5,000 that can't get in. You don't think I love that? Why would I not? I, uh, we, you know, we go to Auburn, got ninety some thousand, and uh, you know, I, I remember talking to the players the night before. That was always a big deal, and and then right before we went out, I'll never forget going up playing Florida State and Bowden, and and it was like it was eighty three thousand. They had just beat BYU fifty something seventeen or something like that. They're eighteenth in the country. And we're in that visiting locker room, and you could hear the boom, 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 feet in the stands. And the dust was rattling off (laughs) the the locker room. I mean, it was unbelievable. I jumped up on a table, and I said, baby, it's on. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You know, I was so fired up. I said, this is what we live for. That's great. This is what we – when you were a kid, when you were little – Three, you know, spring ball, winter conditioning, all those sprints, all the workouts. This is what we will embrace that we love. Yeah. Are you kidding? This is what it's all about. You know, I was so excited. And 
I, I told the players, you got to settle me down, please. And I didn't know what to try to get, get their mind off. It. I said, please, you guys got to help me here because I don't want to go. I want to play. That's you know, great. so, yeah, those are great moments. And, you know, especially when you win those games and uh, and you know it's going to come down to overtime and you and you play through the overtime, you know. And, and even more so when you're the road team in this kind of game. <laughs> When you're Alabama, when you're Tennessee, when you're Clemson, you know you're going into the jungle where there's 95, 100,000. Oh, no doubt. And, and, and your defense has got to perform. I mean, all the games that we played when we beat Auburn at Auburn or beat Florida State at Florida State, you know, and, uh, you know, West Virginia at West Virginia, our defense always rose up. And uh, you got to, you got you know, that's your foundation. And certainly uh, these teams that are going on the road, their defense has got to play, you know, you got to, because it's so hard, especially early in the game for the offenses to hear things. Right. Uh, might get rattled and the defense has got to, has got to play and, and give offense time, you know, to get, to get going. And that's a, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. All right, coach. Well, great job. Again, we, we are, again, we are week 10. We are in, we are into November. This is winning time here for all these teams, these championship teams. We've laid the foundation for two or three months now. Now it's time to go win a title. Um, great work this week, Coach. And we will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be at the Bucks Rams game too this week. I'm gonna be working right. Rams radio. I'm gonna be up in the booth with the Rams radio uh, people working in the booth. Okay. So I'll be. I'll look for you at Raymond James. Well, I, and and all these championship is all going. That's why I've got the USC and the Oregon. Three top ten teams in the Pac-12, so yep. um, I always kind of honor that a little bit since I was in that conference so many years. But you're right; it's uh, it's on. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, it's it's a, uh, you gotta win, you gotta win now. You got it. Well, thanks for the time, Coach. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. All right, see it. We'll be right back on Florida Football Insiders with Eric Henry to talk FIU Panthers. The Florida Football Insiders podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's. Beef O'Brady's at the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue in Tampa in the Carrollwood and Forest Hills area. For all of your football, baseball, basketball, hockey, viewing pleasures, check out Beef O'Brady's every day of the week they're open. Whether you're wanting to watch games on Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, your favorite hockey team, your favorite college basketball team, NBA team, check out Beef O'Brady's. If you're looking for any catering needs, corporate events, things like that, Beef O'Brady's can help you as well. They do all the things you need to be done in the restaurant and sports bar business. So Beef O'Brady's, corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Enjoy the podcast. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions and Realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and Marketing Solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Uh, Do you need marketing pieces? Do you need color copies, business cards, everything in between? Reach out to Todd Tedesco 
813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the, the intersection of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print and print needs, Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887, Print and Marketing Solutions. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back, Florida Football Insiders. I'm your host, Jason. We are going to talk feel-good story in the state of Florida now with Eric Henry. Eric Henry covers FIU, the Panthers. Uh, they have been a very, they, to me, they've been the surprise in the state of Florida and one of the surprises around all over the country this year with how they played. Four and four, and you think four and four. Well, this team going into this year, this team was the expectation. This team would be lucky to win two games, and they've done a tremendous job. New coach Mike McIntyre. Uh, Eric Henry covers uh, FIU. He's also the a podcast host that does a podcast on the on Conference USA. He's also the co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty. So welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Henry. Man, Jason, I don't know if I'm worthy of that illustrious introduction, but I know the Panthers certainly are, as you mentioned, the team that not much was expected out of this year. Always a pleasure to hop on with you and talk a little football. Yeah, let's 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 before we get to FIU, you're also a Bolitnikoff Award voter, which goes to the best college wide receiver in the country through through ten. We're in week ten now, the college football season. For what you've been watching, I know you cover a lot of college football all over the country. Give me a few names of some names that, that have impressed you at the wide receiver position around the country. Can I give you a couple of group of five names? Because in my mind, those are the guys who don't get enough love. Going to start yeah. with Rayshie Rice out of SMU. Okay. You know, I think about the, the Mustangs offense, they're, they're going to throw the football around. He's a kid who's, I believe, right at the thousand yard mark as far as receptions here as we're going into you know week nine, week 10 of the year. Um, when, again, in my mind, and this is kind of, this is my now my second year voting. So kind of the way I look at it, I like to judge the receiver in relation to the competition they play, because here's the fact of the matter. You can only play with your schedule. You know, I, I can't judge a group of five receiver and say, Hey, he's not doing it against Alabama or Tennessee or whoever it, it, it's on, who's on their schedule. Right. So give you a guy like Rishi Rice, guy like Ali Jennings as well from old dominion. I was almost at a thousand yards as well. So those are two guys I'm kind of keeping my eye on again. This is, is kind of, you know, my philosophy as someone who covers the group of fives uh, exclusively, but now has the Blitnikoff award vote is the, the power five guys. They're going to be there at the end of the year. I try to, you know, if I was to put it down in a ratio, like 80, 20, exclusively focus on those group of five guys and then yep. see how they measure up again, how they fared in comp in relation to their competition uh, against those, those P five guys and make a choice from there. So just a couple of, you know, smaller names, smaller names that your honest may not be familiar with two guys. I'll keep my eye on. I know a couple of guys nationally that we've kind of probably heard about the guy from uh, out at Jordan Addison at USC. Addison. Yep. Um, you got the kid at TCU's had a really good year with Max Duggan. Um, so again, and again, as, as we, as we, uh, the kid from Tennessee Hyatt, yeah, uh, Jalen Hyatt's had a huge, couple of huge matchups, and he's got another huge one this week against uh, Georgia. So 
Uh, it, this whole process will develop here this next three or four weeks as we wrap up the regular season. Absolutely. All right, let's get to your team. Team you cover every every week, the FIU Panthers, four and four, and another overtime win over La Tech last Friday night. I believe was it, was when they played. Yep. Just just give me a little overview of, of, of FIU through through eight weeks, and again, what Coach McIntyre is doing down there is is pretty remarkable. And and again, no expectations going into the year. Yeah, well, listen, Jason, I will try to give you the Cliff Notes version, because if I were to take you through the entire eight, nine weeks of the year, we might be here for more than 20 minutes. But uh, yeah, I mean, the way this season started for FIU, you talk about a close, what, a one point win over an FCS team to open the year in Bryant. I think that was kind of a bit of level setting for the team. It, not necessarily what their expectations were in inside the program, but just where they were. Right. And in talking with Coach McIntyre throughout the season especially in the early part of the year. I think um, those first three or four games really were an evaluation process of A, the guys who were returning, which quite frankly, there weren't that many from last year's roster, only 40-something players who were returning, and then B, the 49 players that he brought in to see how would that mix kind of come together and how would they fare on the field. So they start one and three, um, or start one and two, excuse me, with the losses to Texas State and Western Kentucky, we saw what happened there. But really from there on, Jason, they've played solid football. And again, for a team that is made up of primarily underclassmen and first-time starters, yeah. you can't be mad that, okay, you take the loss at UConn, but I think we've seen with Jim Mora what he's doing this year. Yeah. He's got them trending in the right direction. So not exactly UConn of, of the past few years. UTSA is supposed to be the cream of the crop in Conference USA, and, and for all intents and purposes, they are. They are in first place. But uh, Jason, the line going into that game was, I want to say, UTSA minus thirty-eight. Yeah, it was big. Uh, to kind of give to kind of give you an idea of where they were supposed to be. They FIU loses that game thirty to ten, and quite frankly, had their opportunities to make that thing closer. And then they come, they rebound two straight wins. The Charlotte, which ends up being the last game for Will Healy with that program. He ends up getting dismissed after that, but they get a a road win at Charlotte and follow that up with their first home FBS victory, emphasis on home being FIU, uh, because they did have the quote unquote home win against Miami at Marlins Park, which is considered a home game in 2019. But the first home win, FBS win uh, for the team since two weeks, uh, no, no, the week before the Miami game 2019 uh, against Old Dominion. So really you see this team, uh, Jason, the guys are getting just more confidence. And I kind of said this uh, at the beginning of the year, all of the question marks you had about this team, they were only going to be solved with playing time. You know, with such a young group, the only way they were going to solve those questions is getting them out there in the field and getting reps. And we've seen that the trajectory heading in the right direction so far this year. Give me a couple names on offense and defense, just guys that have played either above what expectation level or just guys we don't know about because we don't, you know, you don't get all the attention that the other, some of the other Florida schools get. Give me a couple guys on both sides of the ball that are really playing well and, and lead to this success. Here's one uh, quarterback, Grayson James. Uh, there's not many times you're going to get a three-star Texas, uh, Texas quarterback recruit to come to Florida. And he's a kid who, quite frankly, if his trajectory keeps going in this direction, a, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Florida. B, uh, they're going to have a challenge to hang on to him because, you know, quarterback plays a premium across college football. Right, but no, right. as I mentioned, J- uh, Jason, a three-star recruit, someone whose uh, recruitment was primarily affected by the transfer portal. You know, if, if teams weren't taking quarterbacks out of the transfer portal left and right, he'd, he'd be, you know, at a TCU or one of those power five schools. FIU gets him. His, his play is heading in the right direction. Big kids, 6'3", 235, can move. He's big a true arm. freshman. 
uh, uh, sophomore, sophomore. Last okay. year, what last year was his, was okay. his true freshman year. It was the quarterback, was the back quarterback last year. Okay. Um, at running back, keep an eye on Flex Joseph, Lexington Flex Joseph out of Miami Central, one of the top players in the nation in all purpose yardage, receiving, rushing, and returning. And then, of course, as I mentioned, speaking of the Blitnikoff Award, Tyrese Chambers, the player who broke T.Y. Hilton's records for receiving yards, receiving touchdowns in a year. He's been banged up a little bit, but still looks like a man amongst boys when he is on the field, looks like a pro. That's offensively. Defensively, I'll give you a couple of names really quick. Donovan Manuel is a kid who came from East Tennessee State last year as a 3-4 linebacker. He's got over 70 tackles on the year. And then uh, as a safety, a former three-star recruit in Demetrius Hill, the last FIU defensive back to lead the team in tackles. And I know you're thinking, all right, DB leading the team in tackles, not always the best thing, right. but Demetrius is making some plays at the line of scrimmage and, you know, stopping guys at the point of attack once they make catches. But the last player to do that for FIU was safety Jonathan Cyprian, who of course spent, you know, a decade in the NFL. So yeah. definitely a rising player to keep an eye on. Talk about the family atmosphere that he's kind of building the spirit of the team. And you, you watch some social, social media stuff, a lot of stuff in the locker room, post game, a lot of excitement, just seems like he's got that bunch collectively all playing for each other. Jason, I'll give you a quick anecdote about Mike McIntyre. So after the 73-0 loss of Western Kentucky, maybe I've just become so accustomed to, you know, and this is not a slight on Butch Davis. I think it's just his style. When you lose like that, you know, it, it shows on Butch Davis. And Mike McIntyre, you know, I'm expecting him to kind of be similar. He came out, kind of gave me a wink and was like, hey, I'll, I'll be there in a second ready to do presser. And that really stuck with me. Because I think if that's the front, and I don't mean front in a negative way, but if that's the front he's showing to us, you know, he is keeping in with that positive tone, positive energy to these guys. And I right. think that's the right approach, considering, as we talked about last time I was on your show, they hadn't won an FBS game in how many years? They, you right. can only beat them down so much. Right. So that truly is Mike McIntyre's energy. He, for better or worse, there have been some former FIU Panthers who haven't liked the positive approach. And he said, look, you know, I can be a fiery, feisty guy behind closed doors and 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 when it's time to, you know, do that. But I'm going to keep loving these guys because they need to buy into what we're trying to do here as a program. And that's just his approach. And I think it is starting to show, you know, kind of fruits of their labor here at, uh, at four and four. Yeah, like I said, I mean, if they somehow can win two more games, you get bowl eligible. That would I, mean, I would say it's not a miracle, but it's a dramatic, <laughs> dramatic improvement from where they were. When, again, what expectations were. Um, you know, they played in a couple overtime games, have won them both. Again, that, that shows some stick to the ability to persevere. And like I said, you, they, you, when you get beat 73 to nothing, it's easy to, okay, this is the end of the road. I'm going to transfer. I'm out of here. They haven't done that. You see a lot of these guys that are getting opportunity to play. A lot of the younger players getting a chance to play, and it would only do nothing but help them as they move forward into their careers at FIU. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad you mentioned as far as the young guys getting an opportunity to play, because I think, it's kind of like, you know, the, the benefit of ignorance and that you don't know what you don't know, whether it's the 40 something guys who come into the program who weren't a part of the losing yep. or the guys who have said, hey, yeah, you know, we may have been here a year or two or three, but we haven't played. So, I mean, yes, we may have been a part of, you know, the losing in the past, but we're just happy to see the field and finally get a chance to make our name and make our stamp. So that truly is something that I think is carrying over. And again, they don't know what they don't know. They, they've been underdogs in the, uh, I believe in every game, except for the Bryant game uh, that they won. And they're like, Hey, we, we don't, we don't care. care. We're underdogs. We're just trying to get out there and play. Yeah. I mean, and again, I think this, this will help recruiting too. I think you get younger guys out there to say, Hey, there's the opportunity to play. You don't have to go sit, whether it's at, at a bigger school, whether it's a power five school or another, you know, whatever 
there'll be plenty of opportunity. Even next year, there'll be plenty of opportunity for, for new guys to come in the transfer portal. He's a known coach. He's got a good resume. He's won at other places. So I think you're definitely seeing the fruits of uh, coaches labor. Um, what is the, what is the, what has been the atmosphere in the, in the, in the home game stadium wise is, is this, is the student body is the university kind of realizing, Hey, we're, we're making some improvements here. Listen, the fact of the matter is Miami is a unique place to play college football. You can go ask the Hurricanes that. They'll tell you the same thing. Uh, It's been better amongst the student body. I mean, the first three games, Bryant, UConn, UTSA, those should be the home games, if my memory serves me correct. Um, It's been – student body was amazing. I mean, they actually – in the the last two games had more students than they had all of last year. Now – I say all that to say that last week or last Friday against Louisiana Tech, Halloween weekend in South Florida, you know, the, uh, the students are looking to go out there and enjoy the, <laughs> the, the fun that's out there with Halloween weekend, right? So it, it was a bit light last Friday. But with that being said, I do think, especially coming off of the win against Louisiana Tech, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week with North Texas, because that's a game that, uh, again, you're probably projected to lose. But still, I think now with their being four, you know, four and four, and even if they come back four and five, you have two of the last three at home. You have the rivalry game with the Shula Bowl against FAU yep. and opportunities to qualify for a bowl. I think the attendance will be up those last two games. Um, just talking to Coach McIntyre, obviously they had it also they, early in the year. If you don't remember, uh, fans, they had a tragedy. One of their players passed yes. away, former yes. brother of, of Buffalo Bills tight end Dawson Knox. Yes. His brother passed away how they handled that, that whole situation throughout the year. They dedicating, um, they probably have a, a dedication, a helmet sticker type deal and a dedication that they're obviously it's a teammate. It's a guy, he, I know he wasn't there a whole, he wasn't in the program a long time, but he was a guy that was well-respected and well-liked. Yeah. You know, Jason, I think um, when you, <laughs> when you get older like us and you experience life a little bit, I, I, I don't want to say you become jaded, but you have more life experience to lean on. You understand those things happen. The only reason I lead with that is because you talk about the fact that he wasn't there a long time, but these are still 18 to 22 year old kids. Your mortality hasn't set in yet. So it really affected them to see a guy who they were there and they, and you know, at that age, you're like, man, this could be any one of us. Um, As far as honoring him, you know, helmet decal, of course, his Jersey has come on the road. Uh, It's been a, you know, whether at home or on the road, his Jersey has been there. Um, so definitely a huge part. I mean, Mike McIntyre is known the Knox family. I, I think he said going back to he was a teenager. Right. Um, so definitely, you know, it's something that affected them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I think they're handling it as best they can at that age. Talk about the last four games and I'll get you out of here. Talk, give us a little preview of the last four games of the year. Do they have a chance to win a couple of them to get bowl eligible? What is the, you know, give us, give us a quick synopsis of the last four games. Yeah. So North Texas, I do believe would be a loss. Uh, North Texas is a team that a is heading to the American B coming off a really big win against Western Kentucky. They have conference title hopes. Yeah. Um, and so quite frankly, especially on the road, maybe too tough. The final three completely indicative of conference USA. Any game outside of those top two teams in UTSA and North Texas can be a toss-up, right? Uh, So FAU, we know that Willie Taggart is struggling. They did get a huge win, a much-needed win against UAB to keep their any hopes of a a bowl season for them alive. Their next game will be the Shula Bowl. Uh, FAU has not lost a Shula Bowl in five seasons. Uh, So that's one that, again, very much a 50-50 game. It depends on which FAU team you get. Then you go to UTEP. Uh, as someone who made that trip to go to New Mexico State, let me tell you right now, Jason, that is a long ride <laughs> to get out to El Paso. And we'll see how that plays a factor. I think the benefit for the Panthers is they've already done it. 
you know, again, to, to New Mexico State, they've made that flight. So at least their body will be adjusted to that. And UTEP is a team that, again, depends on which team you get very much up and down. And the same can be said for Middle Tennessee. I'm sure fans of your, of your, your show know that Middle Tennessee came into Miami. Yes. Beat the Hurricanes. It's a matter of which Rick, which Blue Raider team are you going to get? Rick right. Stockstill, former Florida State Seminole, uh, of course, Coach Stock. I, I laugh because Coach Stock made sure to let the, the Hurricane fans know post game that you know, hey, this one is for Coach Bowden. I'm a Seminole. You know, it's nice to beat the Hurricanes <laughs> right. there. But uh, but they've been very much up and down as well, Jason. So North Texas, I do believe, will be a loss. Yep. But those final three, very much toss up games, and I think there's a fair chance they could get. Um, if not all three of those, definitely two out of three and somehow qualify for a bowl game at six and six, which again, considering the expectations coming into the year would be, you know, just an Tremendous. incredible feat by Mike McIntyre and his, and his staff. Give me a quick thought on the hurricanes. I know you're down there and you obviously you're around that, that fan base and all that. I mean, what a, from three and O to where they are now is, I mean, what, it, man, that's just, it's just gone downhill in a hurry in you know, I know Mario's known for his recruiting, and he'll he'll get that going. But man, just the on the field play the last five weeks has just been really, really poor. Jason, the feeling that I've gotten being in South Florida is it puts you this way: if Mario Cristobal were not a Miami guy, and specifically yeah. a Miami guy from the heyday, right, they would be upset through the roof, right? Now, I do think there's a little bit more patience given to him. It doesn't hurt that he just signed uh, i believe what the number two or number three rated right. player coming out of this class at least his recruiting is helping and um now i don't necessarily subscribe to this theory but i do think there there's a measure of the hurricane fan base that says <laughs> we need to get crystal balls guys in and that older you know group once we shift those guys out um, I'm kind of a believer, Jason, of like, hey, you know, at the power five, especially at this level, Miami, you're not recruiting just, you know, little sisters of the poor. Those right. guys should be talented enough to come in and make play right. and make an impact immediately. But you got to coach being, them up. You got to coach them up. You nailed it. But with that being said, uh, I do think the the level of patience given for Mario Cristobal is one that is it, it, it's a benefit that he is a hurricane and from that heyday. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. It, it'd be an issue. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get fired, but 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 sure, he, sure. But but the 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 decline in the play. A lot of people thought Tyler Van Dyke was going to take a big jump forward this year, and he hasn't done that. Whether it's an offensive scheme, whether it's him, we don't know. But that's to me, that's been the biggest disappointment. Is yet you've not seen the 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 ascension of Tyler Van Dyke and the physicality that Mario Cristobal in, in, in implements that he's known for. You've not seen a whole lot of that with with the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, undoubtedly and again we'll see you know it's year one but as, as as i mean listen you can point to fiu and i'm not comparing the acc to conference usa yep. i'm a firm believer that look at jim moore i mean uconn has struggled forever yeah and you're able to get some results so we'll see what happens but that's just my two cents yeah, and you got and you got the rivalry down there this week got florida state coming to town yep. down to miami with the you know the huge rivalry game we'll both you know florida state's better than Flor miami is this year not much but that's a toss-up game either team Florida State should win, but it's definitely a game for Miami could win. It would be interesting what the the crowd is like. Again, normally that's a sold-out building that probably won't be sold out in Miami this weekend, I would anticipate. I'd anticipate the same thing, undoubtedly. Well, Eric, keep up the great work, man. Tell everybody where they can find your work online with, with your Conference USA podcast as well as the Underdog Dynasty. Absolutely. So you can find my FIU and Conference USA coverage at underdogdynasty.com. That is SB Nation's home for a group of five and FCS football coverage. And last but not least, you can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore.
does a great job. He's a Tampa guy too. He lives in Tampa, commutes back and forth to South Florida every week and get ready for the, tell the audience what, what, what kind of trip was that from, uh, from, from to Las Cruces, New Mexico? How many, how many stopovers, how, how long was that trip? Cause we coach coach Levin and I were talking about that, about what a rough trip that that is to Las Cruces and UTEP from Tampa and from the Florida area. Jason, I decided to make that trip day of game. And Uh-oh. I don't think I realized that if you had a, you know, seven o'clock start Las Cruces time. So of course you're flying out of Tampa, what, four or five o'clock in the morning, you fly <laughs> to DFW, then you go DFW to El Paso. Uh, then you got to drive the hour over to Las Cruces. Oh. Man, I talk about a world when I flew back home the next day, of course, it, Jason, I've done this for six years now. It, it took me no joke, probably up until Tuesday to finally feel like I was not on a plane, <laughs> you wow. know? So yeah. it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. That's all. That's like I said, it's a long commute for those guys. And if I, I mean, I don't, I don't, does FIU, do they charter or are they fly? They, they, they charter. They charter. Okay. So at least they're, at least they're going direct. So that at least yes. they're not having to deal with some of that <laughs> stuff. But, but yeah, that's, that's a long trek from here to New Mexico and El Paso, Texas. Keep up the great work, Eric. We'll definitely check in later in the year. If we get bowl eligible, the Panthers will definitely be one of the big stories in the country because, again, everybody was thinking one or two wins at most for FIU. So great job, Coach McIntyre, and great job, Eric Henry. Keep up the great work, buddy. Appreciate it, my man. All right, we'll be right back on the Florida Football Insiders. Thanks for listening to the Florida Football Insiders podcast as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast network. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you've not already done so. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at JPOSports. Love to hear your comments and feedback about our episodes and any program suggestions moving forward. Check out our video interviews as well on my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. And we'll see you next week on the Florida Football Insiders Podcast.